This is a Housemade Podcast. We're your hosts, Nick Bobbin and John Vieira. We're here to cover your questions about home bartending. Let's get into it. Hey, welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Housemade Podcast. Today, we're going to dive straight into cognac. And what makes it cognac? And for those of you that don't know, cognac is a a wine-based spirit. So it's a distillate that started its life as wine. Yeah, cognac is also technically brandy. Uh, So I think a lot of us are familiar with brandy in some way, which is is typically some kind of spirit, um, you know, distilled from fruit, right? You've seen like pear brandy and apple brandy, Mm -hmm. and there's some different distillation methods and and, uh, regions that they come from, but cognac is very specific. It has to come from a specific region in France, uh, much the way that champagne is sparkling white wine but can only be called champagne if it's, Mm -hmm. you know, belongs to these um, very specific sets of details. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to, you want to jump into it? What what, what did you find out about this whole thing? Okay. So just kind of a brief um, history, I guess. Uh, Just some things that I was kind of touching up on as I was researching this. Uh, so the re- the name of the region, or I guess it's technically a province uh, in France, is called the Charente province, which I am probably m- just that sounded French to me. <clears throat> uh, it's it's fake French, um, but anyway, yeah, that's the name of the province that it that it comes from. And uh, so co- cognac used to be a really really big deal. It was like a massive worldwide spirit <clears throat> back it's, in the. It's still a big deal to, the, to French people. Well, it is. It, it, it came back, but originally, um, you know, kind of later 1800s, it was a really big deal. And there was, um, there was this, um, I don't know if it was a, a plague of sorts oh, or whatever are it was. You talking it's about the, blight? It's, it's called a phylloxera. Oh, uh, f- yeah, phylloxera, I think. Yeah. And so. Yeah, it killed off it, almost all of the wine grapes. Yeah, like 90%. Um, oh, yeah, because that's like. Back, that's when the Americans switched over to using rye for all their cocktails. Because yeah. everything used to be cognac. Over exactly. Here. Yeah. All the all the ballers used to drink cognac. But um, what happened is they lost almost all of that, and and you know because of that whole process and and the aging that goes into making cognac as well, it took pretty much a generation to recover from that. Mm. Uh, things were a bit different by the time that happened. So um, they are kind of back in full force today. And a few good things that came out of it is that. In 1936, so quite a bit after this, uh, the French established uh, quality standards for cognac. In 36? It says 1936. Okay, because I was looking at the BMIC, which is the current governing body um, uh, sector of the French government that uh, does this, and they, they claim that they were enacted in 46. Oh, okay. There, well, so, there could have been one before that, though. Yeah, because I also have on my uh, note in 1946, yeah, it says the BNIC was founded. So it must have been like a preemptive. Um, that was when they really started looking at the quality standards mm-hmm. for like, you know, what are we putting out? What does it mean to be cognac? Um, but yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting because when you look at like the world stage like that for a spirit, you wouldn't think based on what we have nowadays that like cognac used to be this really big prevalent thing but oh like on a world stage type yeah deal. yeah because i mean think 
Think about the access to really, really high quality uh, like whiskeys and things like that that we have nowadays. And that wasn't necessarily always the case. Well, so part of the history that I was reading on here was that uh, cognac has actually been produced in this area uh, since like the 1700s. And it was actually originally produced to um, keep the essence of, or the heart of the wine for shipment overseas. So you were essentially stripping out the water off of the wine so you could ship it easier. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I mean, yeah, when you really break down what what is cognac, it's distilled wine, just like oh, kind of whiskey is like distilled beer well, so to a weird degree. It's actually, so what I was reading on here was uber duber specific. So it's specifically a distilled white wine your white wine can only be a certain varietal of grapes, and it's mostly... Well, there's five main ones, right? Yeah, it's there's five mains, but they're saying... Where is it on here? Yeah, what are the five main ones? Read them out. I, I, I didn't write them down because I couldn't pronounce any of them. I just wrote down that there was five. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and, and then there's a handful of other grapes, too, that you can use, um, but have to be less than 10%. Oh, yeah. So here, where is this? Yeah. And these are all grapes that I haven't ever heard of, and they're all French. So yeah, I that's totally... why I didn't, I didn't attempt to try to say any of these. Ougne Blanc. That's like the number one grape that everybody uses, and that's like 90% of all cognacs, apparently. Yes. Yeah, so Blanc. Supposedly, too, these, these main grape varietals um, that we're using are they yield a wine with kind of a higher acid and a lower alcohol content, which yep. is like ideal for the distillation process. Well, yeah, because you're not allowed in the winemaking, you're not allowed to add any sugar or sulfur into it. So the high acidity really lends its hands to the fermentation so that you don't have to add any sulfites to it. Nice. Um, cognac is one of those, it's one of those things that's, for me, it's hard to describe to people what the flavor and the texture is like mm-hmm. uh, because as a dark spirit you always kind of want to compare it to something like whiskey but it's so different it's not it's fruity it's floral, so different nutty it's, it's round and it's got it's got just such a, an amazing flavor to it. it's one of my favorite spirits um now some drinks i guess that you guys might have had that are cognac based um one i guess really notable one is a sidecar mm-hmm and you don't really get a lot of the characteristic of the cognac per se because you're talking about adding, you know, Cointreau and lemon juice. So that's not really a good example of what cognac tastes like, but it is a really good drink. Dude, so a really cool thing um, that I like with about cognac is that right when you're getting into classic cocktails, especially cocktails that call for rye, like like a, or a Sazerac, if you swap it out for cognac, it instantly becomes a sweeter, rounder, more palatable cocktail especially for somebody that's just starting out. It's a match made in heaven. Like the, oh, yeah. the, the flavor profile between a rye whiskey and a cognac is very similar. Like, unbelievable. Yeah, the rye, the rye or the cognac is just sweeter than the rye. It is. Yeah, so it's not as peppery. It's, it's sweeter and it's rounder. So it just, it really kind of like whips the rye into shape and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, the rye helps the cognac stand up a little bit because sometimes, you know, if you go to mix it in a drink, it, it might just fall down. Um, oh, man. Now, we will do another episode uh, at some point of just kind of brandy, brandy in, general, in general. Because you've got things like Pisco. Yep. Um, you've got... Like Armanac. you got Armanac, which is very, very similar um, to Cognac. Um, you've got 
um, like Applejack, which is technically its All the own fruit brandies. Yeah. Yeah. But it's technically Applejack specifically is kind of it's a, an a difference. American spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's lots of interesting stuff to go into, but which we is just, an, which is an apple brandy. Yeah. We just didn't want to go off on too much of a tangent yeah. with all of it. So, um, since I had cognac that needed to be drank, we decided <clears throat> that we would talk about this mm. topic. Um, so Not one thing, about it. one thing that I do think is interesting, um, is the, um, you know, like the the little VS and the VSOP and that mm-hmm. kind of like notation on the bottles. Mm-hmm. So when I was first getting into cognac and I, I didn't really know what that meant. So I was looking up, I, re- I realized that it had something to do kind of with age statement, but I wasn't really sure what that meant. And what I learned just today that I didn't really think about is that pretty much everything that you can buy as a cognac product is a blend, right? It's that yep. same concept we were talking about. With the whiskey, the the bourbon specifically, where these these distillers are are creating this this master blend. Yeah, they're with doing their it products. for consistency. Yeah, well, which is a really funny thing about cognac. There's no such thing as a single barrel cognac. It is all blends. Right, it is, and and the way that their age statements work is it's an average of the ages it's, of the products that are in there. It's the youngest. Well, it's the youngest is what, so like VS has to be a minimum of two years, yeah, yeah. but the way they look at it is it can be uh, blended with much older products as they usually do. Oh yeah. Most of them so are. So they yeah. take, they take like an average of, of what that, um, that age would be. So for a younger product, it might, the average might be like four or five years based on what they mixed with it. Um, so it can go up quite a bit higher, but that brings me back to, um, the VS, which is probably the most common, um, and it's the most inexpensive to buy. Yeah, too. It's, the, it's the cheapest one just because it's it's aged the least amount of time. So uh, VS actually stands for very special, um, and it's an age uh, minimum of two years, and then can be blended with older products for yep. you know a little bit more body well, so, and stuff like so that. So that's how all age statement works. So even like age statements on scotches, especially when you see blended scotches, it's just the minimum. Uh, cast that's in that blend is that old is the age statement so the vs minimum one is two years which means you can't get less than that so everything else that's blended with it has to be older than it or yeah. the same age yeah and it, and obviously they're going for flavor and consistency so just because something's older doesn't necessarily mean that it fits yep. the bill for totally. what they're trying to do um the, so the vsop was the one that was uh kind of confusing to me originally, but it, it very stands, special old pale. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it's very special slash superior old pale. It's, it's very strange. Um, but that's, um, that's oh, an age yeah, statement superior. of yep. minimum of four years. Yep. So you're kind of doubling that. Um, and then of course you have your XO, which literally stands for extra old. I thought that was <laughs> kind of funny. I thought that was kind of weird. Cause like, doesn't that seem a little hokey? Like, I thought it came from maybe like a, I don't know. I don't know what I thought it came from, but that's, I just. And that's 10 years, right? I think it's moved to 10 recently. Yeah. But it used to be six. Yeah. Well, so they apparently in 2018, they introduced a new category called uh, Napoleon, which is a six year. Oh, so they kind of just. Yes, bridged they, that. Yeah, they okay. added one. Yeah, and then move that up. And then I don't know how true this is, but there they say there is an XXO, which is fourteen years <laughs> extra, is, extra old. Yep, that's literally what it stands for. <laughs> I have never seen anything like that, but I, I, mean, I don't either. doubt it. They also say that there is a uh, horse 
dad G. Oh, wow. I'm good at that, which <laughs> means beyond age. <laughs> it's beyond age. Wow. It's yeah. like a Twinkie. Uh, denotes, let's see, the BNIC states that equal to an XO, uh, that's just a higher quality product, apparently. I'd have to get into that, that document and look, which, so the BNIC, dude, they don't mess around. No. They, they, in their, in their, uh, description of Cognac, this is a 20 page, um, publication. And it literally goes into how you farm and raise your grapes even. So it's what the density is per hectare. It's how many fruit yields you can have per hectare. It's how, how you prune the plant itself, how old the plants have to be before you can actually make it. Um, they even go into, uh, there's a specific um, color that the cognac has to be too, to be able to be called cognac. I mean, I guess that makes sense because, like, every cognac I've ever seen has definitely been the same color. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, I don't know how to read this or what it means, but it, it has to be at four hundred and twenty nm's of point one for a ten millimeter optical path. I definitely do not know what that. I don't means know what that either. means either, but that's just—it's probably scientific it's like terms light, for it's light refraction and yeah, stuff like that yeah. of of the actual color of the coating which i thought that was crazy yeah that's because like, you're not allowed to add any colors or sugars to it but it has to have a specific color from the wood itself well if there's one thing that we've learned from other spirit types as well is that the french are not messing around oh they're the undefeated champions of making like high quality amazing premium stuff. spirits oh yeah um or wines or anything yeah. just think about it they've been doing it for all of history yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And are they, so I'm sure there's other examples of this because I was just thinking about like Calvados, which is mm -hmm. um, essentially kind of like an apple cider based brandy mm -hmm. uh, that, that's made in, um, is it Norman or no, it's not, uh, it's. Uh, I'm not sure. God, I can't remember where that comes from. I want to say Normandy, but I don't know. Any, anyway, it's just, it's one of those things where. You don't think of many places in the world that have their own like designations where it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, we make this so well that you can make something like it if you want, but you can't call it this. <laughs> well, essentially every country does that. Mexico does it with tequila. We do it with, with bourbon. The Scots do it with scotch. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like it would make more sense if it was like a subcategory of that. Like if there was like a subcategory of bourbon that like... Mm -hmm. I guess you would consider it as Kentucky because they're like the one that does it all. But like, yeah. you know, if there was like a specific state that's like, yeah, you guys are making bourbon, but what we're making is something like <laughs> beyond your ability. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like I said, it's, it's such a strange um, base spirit compared to some of the other things that we've tasted and tried well, and put in cocktails. Yeah, it's also not as popular nowadays, like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, I did try a French 75 a while back with though, cognac, with cognac it. and it was amazing because I, I so had read. That's that's a common one. That, yeah. I read it. I think it was in Sasha Petrovsky's book um, that the original was either cognac or gin. Yep. And we've kind of just gone into this. Straight gin. Straight gin yeah. kind of mode. But um, it was really tasty with cognac. And so, so that, and so a French 75 is, is uh, it's now most people do gin, lemon juice, and champagne. And so you're saying put cognac in it instead yeah. of gin. Yeah. So it's, it's cognac and champagne. So it's spiked, spiked champagne. 
Yep. Which makes a lot of sense because they're, they're, both, they're both French French products. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and it is delicious. It's, uh, it's in my opinion, it's better than like a mimosa because you're getting a little oh, more yeah. kick, right? You don't, oh, have to, totally. you don't have to down quite as much of it to get where you're going. <laughs> no, mimosa's good. Don't get me wrong. Um, so right now, we are drinking the last of the uh, Remy Martin VSOP that I had on the shelf. And yeah, it's really good. It's good. I haven't had it in a while and kind of revisiting it. It's really tasty. It's like soft and like almost like raisiny, fruity, floral on the nose. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I love it. Um, but what I thought was interesting is as I was kind of looking at some of this stuff, um, you know, there's there's not as many big uh, distillation giants in the cognac uh, realm as there are with some other spirits. Mm hmm. Um, but some of these, I don't know. Hennessy is a pretty big brand. Well, there there's three main big ones. Oh, okay. So Hennessy is probably the biggest. Yeah. Um, Martell, which I believe Remy Martin is, is like a subsidiary of oh, Martell. Oh, okay. Um, which and I think they might actually be the oldest one. I'll have to look that up. Oh. But um, Hennessy, Martell, and Cavassier are kind of like mm. the big. Yeah, Cavassier is the big one around here. Yeah, especially in like bar programs and stuff like that. But there are there's smaller independent producers. There's tons. I think they were saying on here that there's something like right around 200. Yeah, total actual the, produ- like a, distillers. There's, there's a lot of them, and they make some really fantastic products. They're just not super well known, uh, at least in this area. Right? Well, just think about like Koenig, right? So he does like good spirits, but nobody knows who he is outside of Idaho. So yeah, it'd be like the same thing. Just little guys that don't have distributors one of them that i thought was really cool though i recognized this name and i was like where do i know that from and it's uh pierre ferrand and that's the same people that make the dry curacao uh, which is yes, which is cognac, cognac based, based yeah. right and actually so is grand Meunier as well mm. um but i recognized that name and i was like oh that's really cool so i don't know if there's other spirits um that those guys make but oh i'm sure they do i thought that was pretty cool that's awesome um and apparently the way that that things work in um, in France with this cognac production is that there's a lot of independent distillers who do contract distilling for those big three that we talked about, like Hennessy, oh. Martel, and Crossier, and then those guys do the aging, the blending, the bottling, the distribution, all oh, that kind of stuff. Oh, gotcha. Um, that which, makes sense. Which makes sense just based yeah. on like sheer volume. The volume. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because. I mean, <laughs> which is crazy because this year we're seeing shortage of supply of like almost all spirits. Especially, especially, especially cognac, especially cognac. Um, right now, for like the third time, you can't find the Cavassier anywhere, which is like our that's our staple in our program, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we bought a bunch of it, but at a certain point in time, we couldn't find the Hennessy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was for glass production, that's what they were claiming. They couldn't get enough glass bottles to fill. Oh, really. Which makes sense because we're trying to get bottles right now for our our syrup stuff, and like, it's a, it's amazingly hard. There's we, a lot. We had of, to buy them for like three times as much. Yeah, there's a lot of links in that chain when you yeah. start looking at actual like distribution things that you don't think about. Where it's like, oh, so you have you have a product. Well, what are you going to put it in? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I, I thought I'd just buy you know these bottles, and they're like, no, you can't get them. You're like, oh. You're like, cool, well, can I order them? They're can like, I? yeah, well, we're not going to make them for another three years, so no. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh. Yeah, you can pay us now, and we'll give them to you in three years. <laughs> you could try putting them in, like, a Capri Sun pack. Um, you know, you could uh, you could just keep them in the barrel. 
just make people buy entire barrels of your product. I mean, it's not the worst, worst idea. No, I wonder how expensive that would be though. Dude, probably a lot. Actually, I'd, that is probably completely against the rules for cognac because probably. you can't get single barrel products yeah. or like cask strength or anything like that. It has to be. Well, so I was, what I was reading too on here was that a lot of these things, so they're aging them in these barrels for a while. And this is crazy. There was literally a note on here that said, you know, after about four decades of aging in a barrel, the barrel doesn't really produce anymore. So throw it away. And I was like, 40 years of aging. (laughs) I'm like, holy (laughs) shit. Oh my God. That is a lot. Like that's a ton. Like, Anyways, there are some products that surely like these distillers have just been like, well, we're just going to see how long we can go with this one. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what the oldest one could yeah. possibly be. Uh, but anyways, um, so after they age for a, for a while, they literally empty the barrels into glass jugs. So they quit aging and as they wait for blending. So once they get to a point that they like them, they'll actually drain barrels. That's cool. Yeah. I was like, huh. Okay. Do you know cool. of any other um, production that that does that? Uh, n- not to like just store it in the cellar until they're ready for it. No, I mean yeah. a lot of a lot of productions do that where they drain them and set them in like stainless steel vats or something to blend it. But you're talking about like monster batches and stuff like that. Uh, another thing that I was thinking about too, we were actually looking at this on some tiki drinks the other day. Is cognac goes really really well with rum. Mm. And it depends on the rum. Obviously, there's a huge variation, but... Yep, uh, that makes sense. It goes really good with orgeat, which is almost like nuts yeah. and spices are in all all tiki drinks as well. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of looking at like a liquid charcuterie board at that point. Yeah. You're just like... Well, which makes sense because didn't the French, weren't they the, weren't they the ones that colonized uh, that whole like Caribbean area for most of it? It was like them, the Spanish and the British, they all fought for it. But like, I'm thinking like... French Polynesian islands, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot of it. I don't know exactly which regions. Maybe um, maybe that's a thing that we can look into on our next rum one. But yeah, there's there's a lot, and they print it right on the bottles. Mm-hmm. So depending on which product you're looking at, it'll show you like, oh yeah, this is a Martinique like French colony rum. Like, I mean, it yeah, yeah. it says right on there. Sorry, I was just trying to draw the correlation. Why why <laughs> cognac and rum go so well together <laughs> like i don't know maybe because they've been in that area for a long time well just like anything else too it's just it just works peanut yeah. butter and jelly like who was mm-hmm. the first person to figure that out i don't know but it's damn good but it works uh the interesting thing is that we were talking about how well it works with rye whiskey because they're like kind of opposites oh yeah but cognac is very similar to a lot of rums at least ones that i like and mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting that they complement each other while still being actually like, pretty very similar. similar yeah yeah I wonder what, uh, what like a one and a half ounce of cognac to a half ounce of Smith and Cross would taste like. Mm, probably delicious. Yeah, probably amazing. Uh, you should grab that bottle of Carrossier that I have over there. Oh, now that we can't even get it anymore. Well, yeah. Well, it'll come back. But you should taste that. Oh yeah, next to the Remy. Next to the Remy, and so see this, what so you this think. Cavassier is a VS. Um, so it's younger, and it's. Dude, it's crazy. Just like whiskeys and everything else, like being made in the same region, same area, same production, same everything else, how radically different they are from producer to producer. Yep. Incredibly different. And that's... Wow, this one smells way different. It tastes way different, too. I remember last time when I first bought that... You know what's uh, crazy, though, is it looks the exact it same. It looks exactly the same. <laughs> when, I, um, when I first bought that Remy... 
I just bought the little bottle because I was just really curious to taste it. Yeah. I just wanted to see kind of how it was different. And I was very familiar with the Crevassier and that flavor. And, and when I first tasted the Remy, I almost didn't like it because hmm. it was so different. Um, but this this one is definitely, it's it's rounder. Yeah, it's, there's, less, there's less like of that cherry raisin that I get yep. on the nose. It's, it's more... It, it's got more of the grapey... Sp- yeah, spicy floral. It tasted more like what I think of as a distilled grape product than the Remy. They're both good. They're just mm-hmm. different. It's crazy. The mouth feels almost the same too. They're like very light. They're not very oily or, or salty. This one hits you in the back of the throat a little bit more. Yeah. It's not quite as smooth as the Remy. And it is. It's grapey. That's a great, yeah. that's a great it's word. It's grapey. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. <laughs> it's like a white grape juice. <laughs> yeah, Alcohol I mean, white much. grape juice. <laughs> yeah, not like a, not like nasty artificial grape flavor. Yeah. Like legit real grapes no it's stink good it's uh, good though yeah. yeah no i i forget i forget how much i like certain spirits until we sit down and do this i'm like god why don't i drink more of this yeah that's i mean that's kind of like the last couple months of our lives is oh, it, yeah. i mean even things like vodka right we i did didn't the think vodka i liked episodes. vodka before this yeah why would i ever drink that it's like well i actually have a whole appreciation. New appreciation for it i need to go find a russian friend and hang out with him now yeah seriously <laughs> well i think we all need a russian friend <laughs> yeah we do Someone keep us on our toes. <laughs> yeah, if you if you happen to be Russian, you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Please like, reach out. Yeah, we want to drink some vodka. We'd with like you. to hang out, and maybe you could teach us about vodka as well. Oh, that'd be so awesome. Um, let's see. So I think on uh, on our next episode, we're going to talk about another cocktail history. I thought that was really cool. When we did mm, that before mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for the martini. So I think we're going to dive into Manhattan. Let's see cool. if. Some of that information might uh, actually translate. To yeah, it might might be the same, but we'll we'll have to see. We'll check it out. Cool, cool. We'll, we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. cheers.